Hello, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of What Do I Do With My Hands? I'm, of course, your host with the least, Cole Bailey, and I'm going to be interviewing one of my uh, phenomenal sommelier friends, Sasha Wright. You can find her on Instagram at SashaWright22. We are going to be making an awesome cocktail together, and you guys are going to hate it because it's completely over audio. But I think you guys are really going to like it. Um, follow the show at What Do I Do With Show on Instagram and email the show for any questions or advice at uh, What Do I Do Show at gmail.com. Hope you all enjoy. Thank you. Sasha. Hi, Cole Bailey. How the heck are you? I'm doing pretty darn good. How are you? I'm doing more than good. I'm sipping yeah. a wonderful drink that you helped me make. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm so glad that you like it. And we're just kind of, you know, sipping sisters over here. You are my sister. <laughs> You're my sip sister. So you we're going to... Sipping sister. Thank you. So we're going to get into the drink that you helped me make a little bit later on. But just so people are understanding uh, why we're sipping in the background, what did you help me create today? I helped you. I walked you through making... A really awesome spring summer cocktail, a strawberry mint bourbon smash, kind of like a little bit of a riff on a mint and julep, um, which, you know, being down here in the South, um, I've learned to love a lot. And so just want to do a little riff on that, something fun and refreshing and light, something I can pound on the porch while I'm just reading a good book. Hell yeah. And what kind of books would you be reading, Sasha? Ooh, so right now I've been really into reading um, cocktail books and wine books. Um, I know it's crazy because it's like I literally sell wine and I sell booze all day long, every single day. Um, but I just, my favorite part about um, the spirit world is that you're never done learning. There's always going to be new shit coming out, new shit going you know, into cocktails, old shit's going to be discontinued, um, especially with, you know, bourbon is just like one of those things where it's, it, can you get the allocation? Can you find the bottle of it? Can you find, you know, can you find it? So it's a fun little um, game to play. And so I've been reading that. I've also been reading, God, what was I reading today? Oh, yes. I was reading this really good autobiography that kind of spilled some tea. Um, and I just, I, and I've also been really into reading, um, books about like uh first wives like you know like presidential first wives i don't know why but i've just been like super into that right now i feel like it's not something mm -hmm. that people like to touch on but you know i want some crazy stuff about martha, martha washington let me tell you can you share with me a, a little juicy secret about old martha oh absolutely so was she martha... was she like an extrovert did she like 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 <laughs> like like talk to people was she a ham i just want to know i just sorry <laughs> no she helped her so one she was a sugar mama to old jw um so she was his sugar mama she was like god a, way older than him she had already been married before so this is like her second marriage with this taboo back then how um, dare she she helped her husband kill his half his illegitimate half sibling um which is crazy what which so, is crazy i was joking before about the how dare she uh, marry again i'm serious about the how dare she <laughs> help murder someone what what is the backstory for that what is, okay why... so it's gonna get a little 
Oh, let me, I'm going to grab the book because it is that good. I'm so glad I have a drink for this. (laughs) Me too. Okay. So it's this book I got called The Secret Lives of the First Ladies, what your teachers never told you about the women of the White House. So of course I saw that and I was like, hell yeah, I want to know all about it. And so basically she, um, she was uh, married to, what's his tits? Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Would you call um, the, the the president of the United States? No, her first husband. Oh, oh, what's his name? <laughs> yeah, no, you yeah. should have said that. No, Daniel Park Curtis. Nerd. That's, That's a nerd name. Okay. You know, no offense to Daniels, but. Yeah, I don't think he fought freedom cool in the country, though. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay, so. She um basically, da 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 da. I found the book. Give me a sec. Um, she was like 4'11", too. She was tiny as heck. Um, she got married off to her godfather, who was 21 years older than her. Okay. Right? So that's weird as fuck. Um. Alright. But he died seven years into their marriage. And at the same time as their oldest two kids. So she literally, like, lost her kids and her husband, and her 21-year-old uh, older husband, but the problem is, hold on, oh yeah, and then George Washington was in love with Sally Fairfax, who was already married to his best friend, so I'm pretty sure they were cheating on each other, not positive. We can cut all this out, because now I'm going to get started into literally... No, 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 I'm keeping this <laughs> No, no, no. The people need to know, uh, old Georgie Washington wasn't wasn't such of a Boy Scout. Yeah, okay, so even after his death, Martha continued to be haunted by the legacy of her father-in-law. Um, so her father, her first father-in-law, John Curtis IV, okay, um, he had a baby with a slave woman, so we all know how that happened, super sketch. And so in his will, when the father-in-law died, he stipulated that um, the, the son, the half-brother, would be freed and that he would get a huge chunk of the fortune and that Daniel, her first husband was supposed to care for the half brother until he was 18 and could receive the inheritance. All of a sudden, um, he lived in, so he was living in the house and then conveniently died in September of 1751. Isn't that interesting? He was literally young and he was super healthy. So interesting how mm. he just died. And there was like like super unusual, like nobody knows how he died. Like all of a sudden, he, someone who's supposed to get a chunk of the estate and who was a half brother and supposed to be freed and was, you know, and then Martha and uh, Daniel had to take care of him. And all of a sudden, like not even a year into it, he died. Anyway. Yeah, so you didn't even got- look into it. Yeah, it's probably fine. It's probably crazy. nothing mysterious or, yeah. you know. No, I wouldn't worry about it. There. No, I, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Right no, but okay. isn't that crazy? Like, there's so much shit that goes on. And I'm like, God. And we, and we put this, 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 excuse me when I say this, this chump on the dollar <laughs> bill. God, I know. I'm starting to think he might not be a progressive liberal, okay? 
<laughs> what? <laughs> I don't want to be the first person to admit that, but old Georgie. Mm, I think you're gonna ruffle some guy. feathers with that one. I yeah, I've already been canceled feathers. for drinking on air. It's fine. <laughs> Cancel culture. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Sasha. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the ranch. <laughs> Meanwhile, let's get into it. Who who yes. are you? What do you do? What are your passions? What what God. what what sparks life for you? God, that's like when I'm having an existential crisis and I ask myself those questions. Who am I? I'm um, so, sorry. so oh I know. God, now I'm gonna like you know. Um, what's that song where it's like all around me? <laughs> you know that song. Just um, thirty seconds of silence, <laughs> just dead air. <laughs> just like I'm sorry, what? <laughs> just so uh, sorry, my cousin's hamster is having a birthday party. I have to get off the phone. Um, Classic. I totally forgot about class. Um, okay, yeah. So um, my name is Sasha. Um, right now, I'm living in Knoxville, Tennessee. I am a bartender and a sommelier. Um, technically, I guess my uh, title is beverage captain so I kind of just it's a leadership position where I just kind of oversee all things beverage you know mm-hmm. and it doesn't um, come with so, the hat oh, god I wish oh my gosh mm, unfortunately no. unfortunately it does not come with a aquatic captain's hat however <laughs> um, that just means I get to sell some really really cool wine and I get to make some awesome drinks and um, yeah I guess that's it about me perfect i mean i went to culinary school with you cole obviously um went to culinary school in napa in saint helena and that's kind of where i started to learn about beverage and i was kind of lured over to the dark side of beverage and then when i went to new york to get my bachelor's in business administration um i was kind of dipping my toe a little bit more into like the metropolitan new york cocktail scene and i started taking this class um about basically beverage operations um with professor fisher uh really kind of opened my eyes i had i had always been interested in in beverage um but it wasn't until i took that class and so myself and a few friends every single weekend when we were living in hyde park new york and we would take the train down to manhattan um and just literally beep up around and we and professor fisher would like call ahead for us and could get us into some amazing places like pdt please don't tell speakeasy kind of you know an amazing amazing spot you get to ring the cute little red telephone in the telephone booth and it's behind like a little hot dog stand and we got in there and then um god i guess the biggest eye-opening one would be audrey saunders who i've had the biggest girl crush on since god knows when (laughs) i just i think she's literally amazing um, she started Pegu Club, and so that was one of those things where that was like one of those aha moments that kind of changed my life. Um, where I went there, and the the curated experience that they had, unfortunately due to COVID and a bunch of other mm-hmm. extenuating factors, I they closed down. Something yeah. about the lease, I'm yeah. not sure. Um, but now I just yeah, I just saw her Instagram. I think she's doing something with Cocktail Kingdom. But uh, oh. basically, yeah. Oh, I took oh, yeah. you there, Cole. I remember? Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I remember seeing that today on Instagram. Um, yeah. Yes, I did. Um, if anyone has the pleasure of knowing my dear friend Sasha Wright, you have phenomenal taste in Manhattan bars. Um, you took me to so so many amazing places that I would not have like heard of if it weren't for you. So um, yeah, make friends with bartenders, people. Um, <laughs> absolutely. 
um, yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. And so that kind of like, I mean, um, well, thank you for the high praise on that. Um, I guess, you know, I get, you could call me a lush, but I just think of it as studying. I mean, I just love beverage, like non-alcoholic or alcoholic. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of my love language is taking friends and people I care about to bars that are special to me and have drinks that kind of, I mean, it's just crazy to think like if you, if you, if you really whittle it down and you kind of boil it down to the nitty gritty and it's just kind of like, there's only a handful of spirit categories, right? Like gin, vodka, whiskey, you, you know? Um, and so, but there's millions of cocktails, like the it's just like so insane to me that just like changing something by a quarter of an ounce, a half an ounce, substituting a different type of citrus, substituting, you know, a different type of whiskey. There's bourbon, there's Tennessee whiskey, there's rye, there's all kinds, there's scotch, you know, and it's just like, I love that so much. And so to be able to share that with people I care about and people I'm close with is a huge facet of my life. Um, and so I'm kind of lucky that I get to go to work and I get to do things that I'm super passionate about and make me really, really happy. And then, you know, just kind of, you know, honing my craft, you would say, but yeah, so that's a little bit about me just, you know, boozing it up, studying, um, drink a lot. Heck yeah. As you should. Um, so we're going to cut away for the drink that you and I made together. Um, and then yes. I'm going to pick you apart. I'm going to, I'm going to dive in and I'm going to find out what the heck is going on with my friend and how she got to this awesome point in her career. Um, so yeah. Hell yeah, brother. That'll be where we cut away. <laughs> so it's going to be the hell yeah, brother. Yes. <laughs> and then silence. <laughs> and then we're going to make a joke. Yes. <laughs> okay. So Sasha, break it down for me. What, what should I have in front of me right now? Okay. I'm overwhelmed. So... I, I understand. And so what I really want to do is something that was light and summery, but I think the problem with summer drinks is a lot of people go straight to clear liquor, clear spirits. And, but, you know, living in Tennessee right now, I am just all about the bourbon and all about um, Tennessee whiskey. So we're going to be doing a little strawberry mint bourbon smash. Um, and so that means there's like a really good um, or kind of shitty subpar bourbon. Doesn't really matter depending on how many you drink. Um, hell yeah, so, brother. Hell yeah, brother. Um, so I suggested to you um, uh, Elijah Craig Small Batch um, bourbon. It is one of my absolute favorite bourbons. Um, pretty decent price for it. It makes a fantastic mm -hmm. whiskey sour as well as a great old fashioned. And um, let and me then, just get a quick swish on the mic real quick. There you go. So that Alan. sounds that that sounds like Elijah Craig. And if you don't have that sound and you're not drinking Elijah, okay? Thank you. Sasha, continue. <laughs> so sorry. Um, and then um, two to three strawberries, depending on how big they are. I found some like pretty large strawberries, so I'm just gonna be using two, and then just quarter those up, and then um, anywhere between four to six um, sprigs of mint. Um, about so two ounces of the Elijah Craig bourbon, and then um, three quarters ounce of lemon juice, fresh squeezed, olive minute. Um, I know you have your squeezer right, your uh, juicer right there, right? Dude, I'm going to be squeezing and squeezing. I just want to let you know in the background, I've done no preparations for this. So That's as, perfect. So let me let me describe for the viewers what my setup is right now. I'm sitting at my, my normal desk, right? So I have my podcast set up, which is my computer and my microphone. And then I have a tiny baby little cutting board with all of the fixins that Sasha told me I needed to get. 
And as you started reminding me what the ingredients were, I started feverishly cutting all of my strawberries because I haven't done it yet. Um, So um, because I'm such a dumb donkey headed idiot, um, take me through this as if I don't know what I'm doing because chances are I don't. Um, So treat it, treat it like, (laughs) all right. So I've got, I've got an F ton of, uh, strawberries that are being quartered right now. Yeah. Um, uh, why strawberries? Um, strawberries are starting to pop up in the garden right now. Um, and so it's just all about like availability and seasonality. I don't really like using out of season produce or products mm-hmm. um, for cocktails. Just because it's just like food. Um, it's not going to taste as good. And also, I think we're kind of in a culture of just like you can have whatever you want whenever you want. And something that makes it special is that I only make this in the summertime and like mm-hmm. the spring going into summertime. Um, and then it makes it a little bit more special. It makes it like a treat. Um, so I won't start using watermelon in my cocktails until the watermelon's actually good um, or else it's just going to be subpar. You know what I mean? And if we're going to full send, we're going to full send, Cole Bailey. We're going to full fucking send. I'm sending and I'm sending it full, Sasha. My <laughs> hands yeah, smell brother. like mint. Um, I got a little bit of lemon juice on a cut so my hands burn a little bit. That's how um, you know you're alive. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm getting a little anxious. Can you hear it in my voice? Do I, I sound can. normal? But you know what? Oh, that, no. If you're not a little anxious um, when you're cooking up a storm, uh, then you're not doing it right. So you got your strawberries all cut. You're getting your mint picked. You're uh, fucking juicing lemon juice directly into an open wound. Um, yes. And then you're going to also need... Um, some honey, simple syrup, and I like to just do an even ratio. So 50% by weight of honey and 50% by weight of hot water. Mix that up. It kind of thins it out and gives it a really good consistency. And it's not overwhelming in, in the amount of um, sweetness that it imparts on the cocktail. You just reminded me of the honey, simple syrup, and I need to pull that from my fridge. So don't mind me. I'm going to just walk <laughs> very calmly over to my fridge. So how was that? Um, um, in typical Sasha fashion, I did forget to tell you an ingredient. Do you have Angostura bitters? Fuck me. If you don't... Wait, hold, okay. on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait. <laughs> this is real life, folks. Okay, this is how fucking oh, life goes. God damn it. If you, don't, um, if you don't have bitters, that's okay. I just like to add a little bit of complexity to the drink. <sighs> um... <laughs> I don't. I have uh, Woodford Reserve aromatic bitters. Would that work? Perfect. Perfect. Let's, let's full send it. Did I suggest a good substitution for Angostura bitters? You did. Did I get these aromatic bitters as a birthday gift? You did. Or they were purchased from Amazon.com? You did. Thank you. Okay. All right. So let's let's pretend that this is my first cocktail that I'm making. Is it? Um, <laughs> it might as well be. Apparently um, so. All right, so um, let's get into it because I do want to like, we can get into the nitty gritty of bourbon and spirits and all that good stuff. But right now, I just want to make a delicious yes. freaking cocktail. So yes, you got your shaker tin? Yes. Okay, you got your strawberries and you have a muddler. If you don't have a muddler, that's okay. You can just literally shake the shit out of it. Oh, and... no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. What happened to mise en place? Oh, no. Yeah, I've had somebody, a muddler somebody, this whole time. Somebody, somebody take away our culinary degrees. Yeah, I know, right? Might as well. Might as right. well. God. What okay. the heck is All a right. muddler? 
The muddler is literally just a blunt object. Um, it looks like a little, if you were to take a little rolling pin and sh- shrink it until it was like, could fit in your hand, that's what a muddler is. It just uses it to, so you're not bruising um, whatever you want to muddle um, by shaking the shit out of it in a shaker tin, like I just suggested to you. Um, so you're not you. bruising the aromatics or the essential oils and anything. Um, but so mine, I just got, I think from the Kroger for like a couple bucks. It's terrible. I hate it, but it works somewhat fine. <laughs> Heck yeah. All right, and so you're gonna want to take your shaker tin and put in your strawberries and your mint. How many strawberries again? Like two to three. I'm gonna put in three because I like strawberries. Oh, okay, you go for it. Yeah, making cocktails is kind of like cooking and not like baking. Um, a lot of people will argue with me on that and say it's more of like a science like baking is, but I just kind of go with the feel. I mean, it depends on the elevation you're at. It depends on the temperature, where you are, the, you know, how the quality of products that you're using, those can, all of those things can throw, there's so many variables to throw a cocktail out of balance, which with my mm-hmm. Michigan accent, everyone always makes fun of me to say balanced. Um, but you're going to throw in a couple of those bad boys, a few, I did, I think six sprigs, like little baby sprigs of mint. I'm going to put that in there. Gotcha. And then when you muddle, it's super important that you have um, liquid in the muddling tin um, to kind of extract those essential oils or else uh, it's not really going to do anything. Mm-hmm. So I like to put in about two ounces of the Elijah Craig. Two ounces. Here we go. Two whole ounces. Yeah. And let me um, just get this for the microphone. Glug, 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 glug. And, oh, and yeah. it's not a sin if you spill, right? Uh, it is not a sin if you spill unless, you know, you spill a lot and then it's like, well, what are you doing with your life? I didn't, I didn't spill at all because... Because you're just that really good. phenomenal, yeah. Um, all right, so I got some liquids in a cup. Perfect. Is it muddle all time? Right. Um, so it is, and so I always muddle into the alcohol itself um, because I don't know if I read it somewhere or if it's just like my own thought process, but I just think that the alcohol um, acts as a great kind of like carrier for the essential oils that we're about to, and you don't want to like go too ham, too hard in the paint. Um, about this but i just like to give it a little bit of muddle just kind of extract the essential oils from the mint kind of give the strawberries a little bit of time to break down um and then once you're done muddling just super quick mm-hmm. um i like to add in one and one quarter ounce of the honey simple you can i i will say this depending on the sweetness of your strawberries i would take it down to one and then we can all and then you know we can always add more but you can never take out so i'm gonna do a whole ounce of the honey simple syrup. And if I have to, I can always just add an extra quarter yes. of an ounce. I'm also going to do the same. Okay. I was once told that when muddling, you should only do like a couple little twists, like maybe yes. four and then just stop. Why yeah. not muddle more? <laughs> Por que no los dos? Uh, right. So just like I said, you don't want to bruise it. You're, you're, you'll just basically essentially bruise the cells. It's kind of how like in cooking school, we talk about not putting garlic through a garlic press and instead slicing it with a really sharp knife. It's the same kind of principle. You don't want to bruise the mm-hmm. cells. It's just going to make it just a lower quality of a finished product. Much love. Much peace and love um, from Tennessee. And then you're going to do um, th- three quarters ounce of lemon juice, fresh squeezed. Can we get some uh, squeezing for the audio? Yeah, you guys are going to hear me squeeze this lemon live, so get ready. Oh, that was 
Oh, oh no. Knock the muddler over. Oh, nuts. This is really good for an audio podcast. <laughs> I love it because everything we're doing is visual and we have I no know. Visuals. I know. This <laughs> is, oh, God, this is perfect. I love what I do. Let me tell you, Sasha. How much? Uh, of the lemon? Yes. Uh, three quarters ounce, so 0. 0.75 ounce. Oh, looks like we're going to need the other half of the lemon. Buckle oh. up. Do you think if I squeeze harder, I'd get more juice? Um, no, because then you just start to get the bitterness from the pith and the essential oils from the peel. The what? The what? What did the you just call me? Pith? What'd you the call pith. me? <laughs> Don't talk about my mom like that. Right. The pith is the little white part that's on the citrus. Fun fact, everyone. Okay. Now, do you have your ice in a towel and something to smash it with? Yeah, absolutely. I need <laughs> you to give me a moment. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and start smashing. Amazing. So, Sasha, I'm going to do something a little bit crazy, okay? Um, I'm, I'm going to smash my ice with my muddler. How does that sound? You go for it. I'm just using a rolling pin. So I'm getting I'm, out all the aggression I have about how season eight of Game of Thrones ended. Wow. You're, you're taking that thing back, huh? So <laughs> I don't give it out. So just wrapping it in the towel and just smashing the crap. So, yeah. So, well, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Wait. Huh? You were saying? <laughs> Did you say something? Okay, so the best way to do it is to lay the towel flat out. I'm assuming you're using your desk. Yeah. Lay the towel flat out, place the ice in the center of the towel, and then fold the net, fold the towel into third hot dog style. So, like, you're folding it so it's, like, kind of long. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you fold it up like that, and then you take the ends, put them in half, and then that way you have, like, a little sack. A little yeah, sack. made a little pouch little pouch and then so then you're just gonna smash that's where the name comes from is a whiskey smash don't i will say this don't put this in your cocktail this is the ice that's going straight into the glass but i don't want my cocktail to get watered down while we're doing this so that's why i'm smashing the ice first i'm gonna put it into my rocks glass and then i'm gonna go ahead and put regular ice into the shaker tin shake it a little bit and then we're gonna strain it um with our hawthorne strainer over top the crushed ice Give me, give me like 20 minutes while I smash this, okay? <laughs> and then don't forget to add um, two dashes of bitters to your cocktail after you're done with ice. If you haven't yeah. already. Everything is smashed as shit, Captain. Perfect. That's what we want. Okay, I have my ice ready, so this, so now I gotta go and I gotta do the dang thing. Oh, Alright? So, so I put it into my rock glass. Put it into your rock glass. Hold on. And fill it up so it's almost like domed like a snow cone, right? Because you're going to pour the liquid over top and it's going to sink down a little bit. So make sure it's domed over top like a snow cone. I don't think I have enough ice. That's okay. Luckily, this isn't visual, so nobody will know. (laughs) I want people to see my creation. Oh, heck yeah. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and start shaking because um cocktails kind of die after less than a minute so you whenever i make a cocktail i serve it right away because the dilution 
Um, and just the oxidation of acid oxidizes really quickly, like lemon and lime. If you've ever juiced a lemon and then had that juice the next day, it's going to taste kind of muted, a little bitter, kind of funky. And um, so just, I like to go right away. So I'm going to start shaking. Heck yeah. All right. All right. It's my, it's my shake time, right? <laughs> All right, stop. I'm stopping. That's a, com- that's a common misconception. Everything's safe to shake the bejesus out of it, but actually, you only need about 10 to 20 seconds. Okay. And are we, are we ready to, to do the pour off? Yep. All right. Now take your strainer. Um, got your strainer? Yeah. And what, what strainer would you call this, Sasha? A Hawthorne strainer. Um, some people might want a double strain, so where you just take a fine mesh strainer mm. and you hold that over top of the ice while you strain it with the hot And um, But I kind of like the little bit of a rustic look. So like little chunkies of strawberries, like the little macerated strawberries can come out. Fuck, oh, that's good. Oh my God. Did you just Sorry. taste it? <laughs> I did. I poured it over top. Fuck. <laughs> oh, this looks like money right now. Gotta turn out. M- Mama? Mamma mia, Sasha. Yeah. Mamma mia. Oh yeah. Hold on. Let's get a let's get an audio sip. Oh. Oh, that was awesome. That was perfect, actually. Those are those are really good sip, right? That was a really good sip. Good job. Yeah, you on can the hear sip. my esophagus, yeah. Mm, it's healthy and working. I I suppose so, I guess. <laughs> that's a generous that's a generous way to describe it. Yeah, um, I would say so. Yeah, so like super light, refreshing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would call this a crushable porch pounder. And... I, I'm I'm going to be crushing it while we speak today. Oh, um, absolutely. That's why I wanted to, you know, kind of jump in with the cocktails. Yeah, it's not. It's it's so refreshing. I get so much strawberry, so much mint. I'm gonna add more mint next time too. Ooh, yes. I I would say that I was generous with my mint. I think I'm gonna muddle a lot more in next time. That's um, fair. I personally only like to add, like like I said, like six sprigs. I like the subtle cooling feature that it kind of gives. Like it's got that like nice little, um, you know, mint cooling. But I don't like it to overpower the whiskey. But I just love the whiskey for what it is. Um, yes. Super super tasty stuff. Well, I'm so glad that you like it. And you know, I think the bitters kind. I love adding bitters to. Yeah. Traditional drinks, like my classic sour ratio, which I use for almost anything. I use it for daiquiris, sours, like almost anything is two to three-fourth, three-fourth, um, and then a couple dashes of bitter. So, like, if I'm going to do a sour, no matter what spirit I'm doing it with, it's going to be two ounces of spirit, three-quarters ounce of uh, citrus, and three-quarters ounce of some kind of uh, syrup, sweetening syrup. Um, and then a couple dashes of bitters. And then from there, you can really go anywhere. Um, change the spirit, uh, you know, change the main profile. But that is like my go-to. So as you can see, I kind of had to, you know, fluctuate it a little bit. I, you know, took up the sweetener and kept the, the lemon down a little bit. And um, just so that it's more balanced. Because even though strawberries are starting to pop up in the gardens, the strawberries that I'm getting right now are just like, on the less sweet side 
Of course, of course. Of this course, is of course. such a phenomenal drink. So what made you want to pick this? Um, so uh, I really wanted to jump in and kind of talk about bourbon. And so I wanted a bourbon cocktail that was also summery. Um, and there isn't, re- I mean, like you have the mint julep and um, you have a couple other drinks, but mostly it's clear spirits. Think like daiquiris. So like, you know, it's um, clear rum. And then you have Cosmos or anything of that nature. A lot of gin and tonics, um, you know, the white lady, which is one of my favorite summer drinks ever, but it's done with gin. So I wanted to kind of, you know, be able to highlight bourbon, one of my favorite bourbons. Um, while also making it a nice, refreshing, you know, light summer cocktail. A lot of people think that whiskey is, you know, kind of heavy. Um, but ever since I moved down to Tennessee and I started, you know, really learning about and trying different types of whiskey, I've learned how versatile it really is. It it truly is. And I mean, like you said, this is, this is a really good accent drink because like I, I do get bourbon. And I do get to like respect it in the drink, but I also get to to experience like an elevated kind of different way of 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 experiencing it. So this is this is phenomenal. Thank you, Sasha. Well, yeah, thank you. I'm glad that you like it. Thank you, like, yes. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm disassociated. I might be drunk. That might be it. Um, it has I'm one drink. drink. I know. Oh hey, my god. I'm fasting. Remember. So you decided to consume alcohol? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's gonna be my calorie intake for the day. That is healthy and not at all concerning. That's absolutely. <laughs> I'm hydrated. Is this where we have to? I think we like legally have to put something in and be like, please drink responsibly. Like, don't drink if you're under 21. Uh, this is not uh, advice to tell you to go drink mm-hmm. excessively. Mm-hmm. What you do on what you do for yourself, don't drink and drive. There you go. Okay. I just gave all the spiel. Um... Legally, we're covered now. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm gonna cut that out though. <laughs> um yeah, guys, I don't drink alcohol. Um can you imagine me giving uh-huh. a PSA? <laughs> can you imagine me giving a PSA? Fucking schmucky. I mean you walk me through an entire cocktail. I mean, I'd say you're more responsible than I am. Probably. I fell up a flight of stairs twice in one day last week. Um, I did drop an entire, uh, tie to go container that I washed out and then made a mm. box of jello shots. And do you remember when I dropped that all over the stairs of your apartment? <laughs> that was my old apartment and it smelled like jello <laughs> for I, was just like, over a week after sad. you left. So there's just like sad, uh, just like a puddle of sad jello. I like made those in like the Indian food takeout container, obviously because reduced reuse recycle, we're sustainable. Oh, um, and then I made those and I drove, what was it, 13 hours to go see? <laughs> they just been <laughs> sitting in my cooler for 13 hours. <laughs> you drop it off. <laughs> I, tried, I did all that work. It literally took two days to get from 13. my house to your house. And the second I crossed the threshold, no, nay, before I even crossed the threshold, nay, it was game over. Maybe one day we'll have to upload that video again. Just the absolute buffoonery that we used to get into. Yeah, a 13-hour journey just to end up on the floor. (laughs) Well, it it was, well, no, that's, it's not even just a 13-hour journey. I had to, like, put it in the refrigerator for 12 hours. So this is, like, over an entire day's worth of work. A 24-hour shot. 
<laughs> and I fumbled, fumbled the container. I fumbled the fumbled to the go container. I that I did, but you know, we persevere through it all. Thank you. Well, I, I'm I'm so glad that you. That's you a life lesson it. right there. What's the lesson? Um, <laughs> what did you learn from this? I How did you better yourself? <laughs> to bring a more reliable container if I'm going to be traveling across state lines with a product. Um, <laughs> and two, shit happens, you know, like the fucking Forrest Gump thing. Shit happens and you just, you wait, you don't clean up the jello per se. You just kind of move on with your life. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, the metaphor here is don't clean up the jello. Let it sit so you can <laughs> smell it. Anyways. No, so. the the metaphor is let it sit until your landlord finally comes and, you know, does their job. So, if anything, I was I was doing a favor for the people of that building because Mhm. Yeah, you saved <laughs> us. Thank you, Hero Right. Um anyways, Sasha, Please cut I'm, that out. <laughs> no. No, it's absolutely <laughs> product uh, <laughs> sasha i want i want to know more about my dear friend because to, to be fair i don't think i don't think I've, I've i've dove into your background and your passions enough that's one thing that i'm learning from doing this podcast is that i don't know my friends at all and i think yeah. that makes me a bad person <laughs> uh Love the correlation you've drawn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I need therapy. <laughs> ha, I need therapy. Uh, don't we all, though? You know? Uh, ha, ha. Of course, of course. So, um, radio silence for 30 seconds. Right? God, this is just like real life. Every time I like make a joke and it falls flat, it's just radio silence for 30 seconds. I, I was muted so I can aggressively sip the rest of my drink. So, that wasn't that wasn't me being rude. That was That was me, you know exhaling into a glass while I while I slurped on the ice yeah yeah exactly all right (laughs) so you you already told me a little bit about how you got started in beverage so what what made you want to transition into beverage like were you always destined to be in the bar like what was what was the original goal for you what did you want to be when you grew up Oh, yeah. No, I love this question. And it's something I tell guests at uh, my establishment all the time. And so growing up, I mean, I think I like, I made I God, I must have been like five or six. And I made uh, my brother's birthday cake. Like, I don't know why my parents allowed me to be in the kitchen like that. But I just grew up and I, I loved it so much. And I loved what I was doing. I loved cooking. It just came super naturally to me something I was always passionate about. I never had any other inklings about any other career choices. It was always going to be cooking. It was, I was going to open up my own restaurant. I was going to go to the best culinary school I could find, open up my own restaurant. And, um, and then that was it. It literally was like, boom, boom, boom. I just kind of didn't really care what it was going to take to get me there. And that's what I wanted to do. And I never really faltered. I like, I even had to go to a school um, that had a culinary arts program just in order to like, bolster my chances of getting into a really good culinary school so um then oh i didn't know that so wait what was the school so i'm from michigan um just outside of detroit in one of the little suburbs um and the public schools um where i was living um obviously i mean like i grew up right next to the trailer park like grew up next to the railroad tracks quite literally on the wrong side of the railroad tracks um so 
didn't have a lot of money growing up. Um, and I knew that if I wanted to get a scholarship or anything like that, I was going to have to have something on my resume or, you know, that would enable me to just kind of put me a step ahead. Um, and so I had to go to this uh, private school um, on scholarship um, that had a culinary arts program because all of the other places I was looking at, they didn't have one or the, the, you know, the high school wasn't accredited or anything like that. And so luckily and very thankfully, um, I was able to go to this uh, private school, this co-ed private school, um, that had culinary arts program, um, and I was able to get a uh, vis-a-vis scholarship, so super fortunate that um, people were looking out for me even back then, and then um, I remember I was in, God, I think I was in fourth grade when I heard about um, the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America. I was Whoa. in computer class, yeah, I, was in, I remember it. We had to do a project on where we wanted to go to college, and I literally was in fourth grade and I found it. I was, you know, of course you like see like the Cordon Bleu and you see um, uh, Jay Wu and all that stuff. But I saw um, the CIA campus in San Helena, California. And I just knew I had to go there. I was obsessed with it. Um, and then in eighth grade, I, made, I started making more concrete plans about it. And that's when I um, played, I had to take this special high school placement test and get you know placed into this uh high school that I really wanted to go to and then I did and then while I was there I kind of made more cemented plans to go um and wow. I just so yeah you no. you you had to apply for this special high school was what was the process so yeah so well it's a little bit different so um like I said like I mean it's it's kind of known that you know like uh, Michigan public schools are struggling a little bit. Um, part of that is because of the charter, um, the charter school vouchers. It took money away from the public schools and allowed people to select their, it was just a whole big mess. Um, and so because of that, the public schools suffer. Um, and so, and my mom has always been, um, pretty, pretty adamant about us going to, um, a college, uh, preparatory school. Um, but we didn't really have the money to back it up. Um, so you had to take a high school placement, all, all Catholic schools, all the private Catholic schools, no matter which one you're going to, you have to take a private, um, placement test. So just a standardized testing score, um, when you're in seventh and eighth grade and you have to score high in order to place into the school. So the one I went to had a very, very small acceptance rate. Um, if you didn't go to the attached elementary school. Um, so getting in without going to the, I know so many of my friends actually transferred, um, in seventh grade to the attached elementary school, just in, just to better their chances of getting into the high school itself. Um, Whoa. so that's, you have to like, that is like long game planning on the parents part, but my parents were super busy that my mom worked like three jobs. Like they didn't have time to be monitoring stuff like that. They didn't know any of that. Um, mm-hmm. They just kind of uh, were winging it. So I kind of took it upon myself as like at, in seventh grade to research what I needed. You had to have letters of recommendation, um, place high on the placement score. And then usually you had to know somebody, but I didn't know anyone I um, except for my the lunch lady at my elementary school. Her son got in. So my mom talked to her. And they were able to get, and I had to shadow, I had to shadow him for a whole day. 
Um, and it was actually, yeah, it was, now that I'm looking back, I'm like, wait a minute, what the hell? <laughs> like, I guess I've never really talked about it out loud like that, but yeah, yeah it seems a little you, intense you had, just to... <laughs> you had a whole game plan since like before you hit puberty. That's yes. unheard of. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I mean, but I it, think, it, so you know my personality, I'm a little like, yeah, you know, I strong. was, was like... say, it, it makes sense for who you are. You're a very passionate, driven person so having like this background makes sense like you you come across as a person who has planned out how they want to live their life and you're doing it so that's fucking cool well thanks dude yeah no i know and that's that's another thing is like i know i can come off like a little like strong and like passionate in every single aspect of my life but i think like when you grow up really poor and the only option for you to become successful is for education and for you know you have to like kind of work twice as hard to get half as far. Um, Because I I think our industry is a lot about networking and having connect. I mean, I think all Mm -hmm. industries are like that as well, but having those connections and networking and I knew networking was going to be a huge thing for me. And so, as you know, um, when we were, I don't know how it worked for Hyde Park campus, but we had to have um, six months of experience minimum. So when I was, God, I would have been a junior, senior in high school um I again this goes back to knowing people my older brother was working at this fine dining establishment about an hour from my house and so um he was able to get me a job I interviewed with uh the manager April I'll never forget her because she gave me like the my first chance ever and it's so funny like we sat down I was so I mean I was like a cute 17 year old like and I was really driven but like my God, I did not know anything about interviewing or like how to professionally write a resume, like none of that shit. So I like sit down with her. I'm like so nervous. I got my little outfit on. Um, and uh, she basically was like, you know, someone gave me a chance when I was really, really young. And that opened up every single door for me. And she's like, I want to be able to be that person for you. And so she gave me the job on the spot. They hired me. Um, I like wasn't even legally able to work like all of the night shifts. Like they used to have to send me home because I was 17. So I was a host. Um, yep. And I, you know, my first, my first ever shift trial by fire, I think it was like the week before Christmas. So we had like three private events running at, at, at the same time as my first, I didn't know table numbers. I didn't know anything about ticket times. I didn't know anything about cover counts. I mean, it was like trial by fire. And funny enough, the first day, actually one, and so I went to private school, right? And so all of my classmates are so wealthy and they have all these things. And of course, being at this like fine dining steakhouse, one of my classmates' parents walks in and they're like, hey, don't you go to school with my, you know, with my son? And it was just like one of those humbling experiences where it's like, yep, I'm working to, you know, kind of pay my way through college um, at the same establishment that my classmates' parents are dining at, where it was, you know, you could buy a $200 steak. And so like, that was just a really humbling experience for me. And I think it taught me a lot. And I've always been pretty adamant about people working a service industry position at least one time in their life, because I think that it teaches you a lot of valuable life skills, which I learned there. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you possess some of those skills beforehand. I mean, I don't think you can get to where you are without being passionate and driven and meticulous, you know? And that moment really just shows how like it almost like immediately paid off for you because you had that experience at such a young age where you're like, wow, like I'm ahead of the curve because I 
knew what my passion was. I was able to find out, you know, what speaks to me and I was able to work at it. That's, that's so awesome. That's so sweet, Sasha. I love that. Oh my you. goodness. You're just hyping me up. Jeez. Yeah, I know. I know. I well, a... got, you know, I got a drink in me. I'm getting to know my friend, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, I wanted, I wanted to fast forward a little bit into your, your beverage because I think it'd be very valuable to find out how you made those first steps, you know, like what the interview process was like, you know, how you had to position yourself because going from culinary to yeah, you know, like the the way that I phrase it is like, let's imagine that someone is trying to walk in your steps. Right. So Mm -hmm. what, what would they need to know? You know, how would they want to position themselves to, to walk in your shoes? Yes. Um, especially right. I mean, even though it was the same industry, it still was a career change to go from back of house to front of house. Um, I think I had a little bit of an easier time because I started out in front of house and I started out as a host. And so I was able, the hostess podium was right next to the bar. So I remember even my first job watching them, you know, like doing end of month bar inventory, um, putting speed pours on every single well bottle, stocking the ice, cutting the garnishes. And so I've always been interested in it. And to me, bartending specifically and beverage service in general is the best of both of my worlds. So the best of back of house and the best of front of house. You're still creating a product. You're putting your heart in the glass instead of on the plate. You're still putting time and effort and you have a physical product at the end of your work. But you also incorporate the service elements, you know, just the hospitality mm-hmm. nature um, where you're servicing people. You're helping them find something that will elevate their experience. So something that pairs well with the food, something that's going to match what they want to drink, the style of drink, you know, spirit forward, more fruit forward. I just love that you can take a guest experience um, and elevate it into something that they didn't even know that they wanted. They weren't even sure of because all they drink is vodka cranberries. And so now you're showing them, okay, this is a cosmopolitan. Like, let's go up from a cosmopolitan, look at this. And then we can kind of, and it just, you can see the light kind of go off. You can see that like little light bulb go off and like, oh, wow, you can do this and you only need four ingredients. And it's really pretty simple. Um, So I would say if someone wanted to, whether or not they're coming from the kitchen they're coming from serving and they wanted to get into beverage or if they wanted a complete fucking career change and, you know, go from accounting to beverage. I know a lot of people who do that. Um, I would say the first thing you need to do is start experimenting at home. That was kind of where I started after I would go to all those cocktail bars in Manhattan. I would come home and I would try to recreate them and I would try to buy new spirits. My biggest thing that I still do to this day, because I'm never done learning, is every paycheck or every week I buy a new spirit and I try a new cocktail. Um, excuse me. Sorry. Um, <laughs> LOL. Um, so I try a new spirit and I try a new cocktail every single week um, just to one up my bar. Nobody ever starts with a full bar overnight. It's just not practical. Um, alcohol can get expensive, especially if you're buying it all like that. Um, I also buy, uh, there's a liquor store about 30 minutes from my house and they sell miniatures of like specialty liqueurs. So you can get chartreuse or pomegranate liqueur or Carpano Antica in, you know, 375 milliliter formats instead of 750 ml formats. So that way, if you don't like something, you're not committing an entire bottle or you're not wasting it. You can get little travel size ones as well. So I did that with yellow chartreuse before I 
really felt comfortable and I was like, okay, yeah, I can use this in a last word variation called, I think it's like, that's the word or that's my word. Um, and so I bought little mini airplane sized bottles of yellow chartreuse before I committed to the whole bottle. Cause I think a 750 ml of yellow chartreuse is like 50 bucks. That's expensive. That's a huge commitment. If you're not sure you're going to like it. So definitely I would start with studying at home. There are so many amazing blogs. Um, I want to say it's Jeff Rosenthal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he is a, he's one of my favorite beverage blogs. Punch, um, has a great one follow people on social media and just reach out. Um, the biggest thing for me has been, I've been really blessed um, in where I work and what I do that I'm able to meet a lot of movers and shakers in the wine world. Um, but other, for the most part, I would say people are so excited to help you. Um, and if someone gives you attitude, if you reach out to them on Instagram, you're like, Hey, this is, I'm really interested. Do you have any tips or tricks or anything? And if someone gives you a bad attitude about it, then it's not someone you want to learn from anyway. Um, and so my biggest thing would be studying at home, trying new stuff, getting a feel for it. It's all about memorizing ratios uh, too, as well. Um, so start getting some of the classics down pat, uh, start investing in your tools. And then it, when you're interviewing, a lot of times when I've interviewed for beverage positions, um, they just ask about your background. And for the most, I think every single beverage position I've ever interviewed for, every beverage job I've gotten, really, it's never been like that they expect you to know every single thing about beverage. Um, they just want someone who's really passionate and willing to learn um, because every single restaurant or bar or, you know, wine bar, they all have different ratios, even for the classics. Um, and so someone who's adaptable and willing to change and works really hard and works fast and works clean. It's all about having a set list of priorities. What comes first, what takes priority? You know, if you have eight different drinks that come in, you need to know what drinks takes the longest to make, what drink will die quickest. If it's, you know, if it's an egg white um, in there, like you want to do that one last. So the, the head of foam stays nice and clean and doesn't deflate or die. Um, and so having that and then, you know, if you have to line up eight shaker tins, line them all up with the ingredients. It's starting with the least expensive ingredient first and then ending with the last, the most expensive ingredient because, um, that way, if you make a mistake making a drink, you're not throwing away the spirit. So I usually start with the bitters, start with the simple, start with the lemon, um, and then add, unless I'm muddling, because I like to extract it into the alcohol itself. Um, so that's the only exception I make to that rule. But yeah, so then that way, that's always really helped me. That way, if you make a mistake or you read the ticket wrong or something, you're only throwing away lemon juice. You're only throwing away simple syrup. You're not throwing away two ounces of an expensive spirit. Um, wow. So that yeah, that would be my, a big takeaway for me that I've learned and that I continue to practice to this day. Um, yeah, that's, that's yeah. so much. I love it. So let's say I wanted to start making my own cocktails at home. You kind mm -hmm. of mentioned, you know, stores that like sell like the smaller bottles. So you don't have to like drop a hundred plus dollars on building yes. a bar. Um, what equipment would you need? Um, and where, where can I get it? Absolutely. So um, there are a few websites. I mean, not that I like uh, encourage purchasing from Amazon, but I also understand that right now things are a little crazy. Sometimes people don't want to go into a store to purchase things um, with COVID and all of that. And um, so 
Amazon works. Um, Cocktail Kingdom is is good. Uh, I typically find, especially now with Audrey Saunders having a line, I'm going to go check that out. Um, sometimes bartenders will also sell stuff, but you can also get it at like Kroger and Walmart and anything like that. And mom and pop stores. I love buying bartending stuff from mom and pop stores. Um, that They're cooking stores usually, but they have a small little section for bartending. Um, so a shaker tin. Um, you can really decide if you want a Boston shaker or, you know, if you want one that comes with a lid and a strainer attached into the lid. Um, or if you want just, it's basically like two tins, kind of like you see at a dive bar. It's usually like a pint glass and then a metal shaker. And then you kind of uh, slam the glass into the uh, metal shaker to create a, a vacuum like suction. Um, and it prevents things from spilling. Or you can get the one like I mentioned earlier about uh, with the the cap on it that comes with a strainer built in. So I would recommend that. Uh, jiggers, I like Japanese jiggers. So they're like the tall, slender ones. Um, I ha- I do own the like little fat guys that are like short and squat, but I just like the Japanese, like me. Um, <laughs> I uh, like I like the short and fat ones. Those are my favorite. That's what I use today. Uh, is that why we're friends? You like the short and fat one? <laughs> yeah, it's er- uh, got me. It's it's ergonomic. It feels right in my little tiny baby hand. <laughs> tiny baby hand. Well, you know, whatever whatever works for you is what you need. Um, but definitely a jigger um, mm-hmm. with measurements for two ounces, one and a half, one ounce, 0. 0.75, 0. 0.5. And if you can find one with 0. 0.25, that's awesome. I do not have one with 0. 0.25 yeah. on it. My first bartending setup when I wanted to teach myself at home bartending was purchased from Amazon. I'm 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 not too proud to to not admit that. Um, and I honestly still use parts of it today. Like I I think I think one of the shakers I sometimes use the bar spoon that came with it. I use it occasionally. And the whole like I got one with like a base setup. So like your shaker tin sits in there, your jigger sits in there. One of your mixing spoons sits in there. And then it came with like a mini Hawthorne strainer and I still use it at home. And it was oh, like well. maybe 20 bucks. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super, super simple. To get started. I also, I like kind of combing um, thrift stores uh, or like consignment stores that you, yes. you can find some actually like pretty sick vintage bartending stuff um, or like really cool glasses Um yeah, so definitely that. You mentioned a bar spoon. That's great. Sometimes recipes will call for a bar spoon um, worth of something, syrup or bitters or liqueur or something like that. Um, a, a muddler, um, like we use to make our delicious strawberry mint bourbon smashes. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, a peeler, um, if you have one for garnishing. Um, it's really, uh, garnishes are important in, in cocktails, I would say, more so than in food. Um, because garnishes actually add to the drink, and without the garnish, the drink is not the same product. Um, so yeah, I would say those are. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I'm trying to. I'm like looking over, trying to think like what I'm missing, but I can't. Yeah, I mean, really... yeah, you can. Uh, I, those are pretty much the the essential basics, right? Yeah. I mean, if someone's looking to get into it, you know, just searching up like a bartending kit online. It's, those it's really are like the five right. six things that you need. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So let's say I, I wanted to start making cocktails at home. Um, it, you know, like we, we both know that like you don't need an incredible amount of, of product to start making cocktails. So like what no. are like the preliminary starting cocktails if you wanted to start making your own cocktails 
that also kind of give you like a little room for, for, you know, experimenting there. Yes. Okay. So, um, I would recommend having just one of every type of spirit and it does not have to be fancy. I started out with like that plastic jug kind of mm -hmm. like I was just experimenting. So you're going to need a vodka, um, a white rum, uh, tequila, uh, and then some kind of a, a bourbon and a rye. Um, and a I'm super big on gem. I'm a huge gin kick right now, but it's not for everybody. But those are like just starting out with the basics, starting out with those. Um, I would say uh especially if you're not necessarily familiar with or comfortable drinking uh straight liquor um and i'm not talking about the shots you do uh when you're at a club and it's disgusting and you have to chase it with something i'm talking about drinking something neat um i would recommend starting with that classic sour ratio that we talked about earlier so you know for a daiquiri you can do two ounces of the rum 0.75 lime, 0.75 simple syrup. And then from there, you can move on and you can make a mojito with it, right? So then, you know, that's just bringing in mint to it and a little bit of club soda. And then from there, you can make a dark and stormy or just, you know, uh, it's not a dark and stormy because it's not dark rum. But if you have, if you then at that point have dark rum, you can then make a dark and stormy, um, which is basically just adding ginger beer to what we just talked about. So it's like, you have the foundation cocktail and then you can just continue to build upon that and change ratios. And so now you have that one spirit and you had lime and you had simple syrup and now you've just made four drinks that I just talked about, you know? Yeah. Phenomenal. So kind of like that. I would, you know, mojitos are a great place to start. Uh, whiskey sours, margaritas, margaritas, same kind of thing. It's just going to be two ounces of tequila and then instead of uh, simple syrup, I do 0.75 of Cointreau or triple sec, just an orange liqueur um, that adds a natural sweetness and then 0.75 lime. And then if you want to bring it into balance, you can always do 0.25 um, of simple and uh, that's a margarita. And then you can just kind of go from there. I slammed many a margarita when I was teaching myself how to bartend, many a margarita. and I Many a margarita. <laughs> It's amazing. I just bought, uh, I just bought like a really nice agave syrup. Um, so I'm going to start peppering up my, my at home drink game a little bit more. Ooh. I've just been using a lot of simple syrup and I'm sick and tired of it. Also, what the heck is a simple syrup, Sasha, for the people who may not know? Uh, heck yeah. Well, it's really simple. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing me tonight. Oh my God. Thanks I'm for serious. indulging my, my terrible jokes. Um, <laughs> stop. so it's super easy. I implore everyone who's listening, all three of you. Um, all right. All right. Not... <laughs> I'm I just saying I'm members. not. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's actually four. Um, yeah. So uh, I implore y'all not to purchase the pre-made simple syrup. It is such a waste of your money. And there's all kinds of weird shit in it, like high fructose corn syrup and all that. Simple syrup, super easy. It's simple. It's just equal parts by weight um, of the type of sweetener you want to use. So whether it be white sugar, brown sugar, demi sugar, uh, honey, agave, anything like that. Equal parts of that by weight, uh, and then equal parts of water by weight. And it's hot water, so it'll dissolve. Um, you never want to make your simple syrup on the stove. It'll scorch the sugar. 
Um, so you never want to bring it to a boil or anything like that. So what I do is I use my tea kettle and then I bring the water um, to a nice simmer. It's not necessarily boiling. It's not, you know, and then I pour that over my little tiny kitchen scale and mix it together until it's dissolved. Um, and then I just keep it in a, a quart container or in a squeeze bottle in my fridge. So it's always ready to go. So I make it by the quart um, because it stays good for basically ever. Mm-hmm. And I, I, don't I only just recently stopped boiling my simple syrup. So I hope you're proud of me. I That I am. Thank you. All right, Sasha, before we wrap up today, I wanted to hear more of your personal philosophies. Oh. You're a person that I admire a lot, especially when it comes to like your work ethic and your drive and this industry that I'm a part of um, and that I love dearly. So uh, break it down for me. Let's say that person is walking through your shoes. They're trying to get to where you are. What are some takeaways, moments, stories, emotional feelings, philosophies, that you would want to share with them? What defined you? God, that is a bit of a loaded question. Yeah, um, I, 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 that's, I, you know, that's the response I usually get, to be honest. I, I slam it hard at the end, I know. You're full sending it. It is full send Tuesday, I guess. Um, Gosh, I guess the number one thing, and I, I've talked about it with you, I've talked about it with a couple other projects that I have going on right now. Um. I think the biggest thing is accessibility. Um, there can be a lot of gatekeeping um, and pretentiousness and uppityness when it comes to beverage, uh, just due to the nature of it and the high stakes uh, that come with bartending and being a sommelier and, you know, pouring wine or making cocktails or anything like that. Uh, just like the accessibility of it. Uh, I grew up, you know, we talked about this earlier, I grew up not a lot of money. My parents drank Sutter Home, like bottom of the shelf at the grocery store, the 1.5 liters of shit wine, you know, the boxes of Franzia. I think that this is actually, besides communion wine, I think that that's the first wine I've ever had in my life. So I grew up, and my parents put ice cubes in it. So I grew up, God Hell bless yeah. them. God bless them. Um, my dad keeps his red wine in the freezer. So to this day, I, I just, there's no changing it. Still, um, even though they created I, a thumb? I took my mother to a craft beer bar. I thought she was going to have a literal brain aneurysm. She was like, I just want Budweiser. And I was like, they don't have that. So we can find you something similar in pri- profile. And she was just like, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> so, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. It's the beige yeah. diet through and through, like humble beginnings. And it was really hard for me to get into this industry. I'm not going to lie. I was young. I was a woman. I was inexperienced. And I did not come from uh, an environment where we had great spirits or great wine. I, I didn't know anything about it. And it took a lot of perseverance and continuing to push and push and push to be let into, to be, you know, to have a seat at the table. And so... One, if you want to get into this, the perseverance is going to have to be there no matter what. You're going to get told no more times than you get told yes. And you have to be okay with that because it's very selective and it's very hard. You think about all that goes into it. You can spend 25 years making a whiskey. And if somebody were, and someone who doesn't know shit from shit were to come in and drop the bottle, that's 25 years of your life down the drain. If you're having a wine, 
and you accidentally sell this happens to me all I mean it still happens to me. I've been doing this for years and it still happens to me. You know, you actually, you know, pour the wrong wine or, you know, the customer doesn't like the wine. So now you have this bottle that has to go to spoilage. And it took someone three or ten years of their life to make that wine. That's really humbling to know that every time you're serving a drink, whether it's wine or a cocktail, you are holding someone's decade of work in your hand and you have to be respectful of it and you have to honor that commitment and that time and that effort that went into it. Um, And so I think that that's a really important thing and to understand why people are a little bit closed off about it is because, um, you know, they're sharing part of themselves every time you, you make a drink. You put your heart, at least for me, I'm very passionate. So I put, that's kind of why I got out of cooking too a little bit. I think it was really hard for me to just be so closed off in the kitchen and put my entire heart and soul onto a plate for a guest and not even be able to like interact with the guests, not be able to talk to them, not be able to see how they enjoyed it, not no feedback, anything like that. And so, you know, that transition to bartending um, really made that a little bit better for me. It made it, it was a little bit easier to put my heart in a glass and be able to talk about it and be able to communicate with the guests um, before, during, and after. Um, but yeah, so perseverance. Um, and then my biggest thing is accessibility and making it so it is a little bit more of an open space, a more inclusive space for, you know, all genders, all, all types of people. Um, it's tough. I mean, I'm, I'm five, I'm five foot nothing, right? Every single bar I've ever walked into is not made for someone who's five foot nothing. And so it's like, that's a struggle in and of itself. It's not accessible at all. Any bar I've ever worked, but you just, you know, you kind of make it work and you kind of try and do what you can and, and do little fixes behind the bar. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess my personal philosophy is just, God, that's such a loaded question, Cole. Oh my God. What the heck? Yeah, we can, we can actually, we can just cut all this out. We can just cut Jesus. it out. I mean, that was so loaded. Yeah. I was, literally am like, what? It was fucked up for me to ask that. Like, dude, I don't even. <sighs> yeah, can you define your sense of self real quick? <laughs> what Just a, like what in a like two sentences or less, please. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I'll give you enough time to parse through it, but um, yeah, absolutely. No, you you answered that phenomenally, as I knew you would, because I, I think you you take a lot of time to like ask yourself personal reflective questions. And I think that's something that's like got you to this point because I mean, even at a young age, I'm learning that you're constantly asking yourself like, where do I want to be? Who do I want to be? How do I get there? And it's not something that like you kind of just like, you know, glazed off for like a couple of years. You're constantly working for that, you know? And that's something that absolutely needs to be recognized because like, look at you. I mean, you're a mid twenties psalm and you're absolutely crushing it. You know, and it's because oh you gosh. time working towards that, you know, and it wasn't even your, your main goal, you know, you pivoted into that, you know? Yeah. I think being able to pivot is really important. I mean, and also I do want to, I mean, not to like paint this as all sunshine and daisies because it hasn't been, I think Yeah. I wanted to be as I started bartending. I think there's a negative connotation about bartenders. I mean, obviously like, you know, it's always expanding. Chefs had a negative connotation and now it's like the new it thing. Like everybody wants to be a chef and they want to be on TV and they want to do all this stuff. And I think bartending is having a, a similar renaissance like that. Um, but even to this day, like my parents, I think are embarrassed to be like, my mom doesn't even know what a sommelier is. So the easiest way for her to say it is just like, I'm a bartender. 
And I get a lot of flack for it. People are like, you went, you have two different degrees. You, you know, you went to college, you're doing all this stuff and you chose to bartend. I think, and that hurts a little bit sometimes. So I think that that's mm -hmm. actually, if I'm being like totally open and like bearing like everything, like I think that's part of why I wanted to be a sommelier is that, that I think it's a little bit of an elevated title. I don't agree with that. I think that there's a little bit more of an elevated connotation and uh, view of a sommelier versus a bartender. Bartending is often seen as just like some, you know, people think like Tito's and soda, you know, like just making like drinks in like a crowded dark bar, like for, you know, college kids to slam back in a yeah. plastic cup. And, and I think, I think that that's a valid career. I, I just, I respect every single type yeah. of beverage professional. I, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, you're doing high volume or if you're doing, you know, a 12 seater craft cocktail bar. And so I think part of the motivation and uh, why I wanted to become a sommelier had to do with hubris. I think it had to do with pride. Like if I'm being honest, it's, I wanted something that my parents could be proud of. And I wanted a little bit more of a, what I believe to be an elevated title. And so I threw myself into somming and I threw myself into learning about wine and I struggled with it because bartending came so easy to me I think due to my background in food and like how I used to be a chef I used to be a cook I guess you'd say um it just came so naturally to me just like cooking somming does not come naturally to me at all especially after I got COVID and I lost my uh, taste and smell um and I'm still slowly getting those back I went to go pick out a not to sidebar but I went to go pick out a new deodorant today and I was like trying to smell them and like it's still really hard for me to get, you know, the subtle notes. And I was like, what the hell am I? I was like, these all like smell like basically the same. And I've like, I like had a little freak out. Can I what? stop you right there? I think it's so darling that when you're shopping for deodorant, you stop and smell every single one of them. I don't think I've <laughs> ever done that in my life. I think, oh, this has a cool name. I'll buy it and I'll try it out. And then like, if I hate it, sucks that's my deodorant for the next like two months <laughs> the duality of man meanwhile i'm so type a that i literally sat in the walmart today and there's probably a hundred deodorants and i had to yeah. smell them all yeah, to make sure i'm getting like, the exact right one that is insanity there needs to be some kind of middle ground with that but as you can tell i bring that kind of tenacity to every aspect of my life whether i'm getting deodorant or i'm looking for a career um so yeah, so I I found a good one. I'm hoping that it's gonna go well. It's Old Spice. I think oh. it's gonna smell nice. I put it on. It smells pretty good actually. Did you just smell yourself? I did. Just I gave a little pit check just now. <laughs> Absolutely, I did. There's no shame in that. <laughs> I love that it picked up on the audio. <laughs> it's got a little. I hope you keep that in. <laughs> I'm keeping. Of course, I'm keeping it. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Duh. Wrapped up this amazing journey of, of being a, a female sommelier at age 24, and you wrapped it up with a quit pick, pit check. <laughs> pit check. I get nervous. Dude, I'm not above saying that. If, if that's not Sasha Wright, then I don't, I don't know what is. Goddamn, I don't know what is. But yeah, anyway, so like uh, after that pit check, and all's well in that department, in case anyone was wondering. Um, yeah, sure. But, like, I found myself really struggling because I worked the last two years. I mean, it really was a short journey, if I'm being honest. Like, I, I went from serving, and then I started bartending in October. I mean, I'd 
bartended, dibble dabbled, but like I started bartending in October of 2019. And then I was somming before the end of uh, 2020. So it's like, that's a quick turnaround, especially at the place that I'm at, where it is just so, um, so intense in terms of the wine program. Um, that I had this moment where I was like, I just spent the last two years working for this and taking some tests and studying every night and forcing my roommate, who's also a sommelier at my uh, work, um, to blind taste me on four to five wines almost every single night going through and doing all this stuff. And then I got to it. And my first couple of weeks somming, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this because I had this like glorified picture of what it was to be a sommelier. And I didn't understand that it is one of the hardest jobs, like quite frankly, ever, um, at least bartending. If I, I mess up a cocktail or a guest, you know, wants to try something, uh, but they're not sure about it. And, you know, I've tried to go through all of the like, well, what do you like to drink? Yada, yada, yada. Um, with wine, you open that, but you sell that bottle and it's not what the guest wants. You're fucked. Like quite, to be quite frank, like you're fucked. Like you now have to like, and like I was saying, like, 20 year old bottle of wine that you just now fucked and it that was the last one in the collection or it was super expensive and I got to charge you for spoilage and now the guest experience is ruined and they trust you less as a sommelier like it is so tough sometimes and I think I wanted the title without any of that you know kind of I, I don't I mean it just was like one of those things where it's my idea of the job did not match what it actually took to be in it. Now that I've been doing it for, you know, uh, God, like eight months or whatever. Now that I've been doing it, I feel a lot more comfortable. I feel more sure of myself, more assertive at the table. I can handle requests where normally I'd just like break out in a sweat and like start panicking. And so that's also another thing is just like, if it's not what you want, give it a little bit of time before you firmly decide that you're not going to do it. Because if I had just decided, I was like, nope, the first couple of weeks, wash my hands. And I was like, I'm not going to be a Tom. I would have regretted it forever. And I wouldn't have half the experiences I've had in the short time that I have been doing it, you know, like seven, eight months. Um, so yeah, so that's like the biggest thing is just kind of having to match the, idea of what I thought the job was going to be in my head to the actual reality of it and now that I've been like working on it and honing on it and I wasn't immediately good at it and I'm like one of those people where if I'm not immediately good at something I'm gonna get a little you know I'm like a butt hurt about it I'm like oh my god I don't want to do it anymore but like you know just having that tenacity having that perseverance to just keep pushing through it keep studying keep going even with having COVID like that was that was a huge identity crisis moment because I got COVID two days before Christmas and I couldn't smell anything. I couldn't taste anything. Wine tasted like nothing. I, my roommate and I were taking shots of tequila just to try and feel something. And it just tasted like water. It was the strangest experience of my life. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, I was like in tears when I, like when I got the positive test and I like really couldn't taste, I was in tears. I thought my career was over. I thought I was, it was done. Um, so I've been slowly, but surely, but it, it kind of reminds me of like Grant Atkins, how he like, uh, lost his taste when he was a chef. And I mean, you just push through it, you know what I mean? So that was one of those things where I'm still, even though now it's got April going into May and I'm still struggling with taste and smell, like the, you know, little fine minutia of it. Um, just kind of pushing through it and trying and testing myself and getting back into blind tasting and trying to have wine. And I think another thing 
that's really important to me. And it's been changed because of COVID, obviously, but our whole industry, hospitality, especially beverage, wine is meant to be shared. It, I, everyone always adds the number one question I get is literally, what's your favorite wine? I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of tough because one, it's like picking a favorite child. We all have one. Nobody really wants to say it because it'll make the other children look bad. Um, and so, uh, quick insert, uh, everyone knows that Cabernet, uh, Napa Cab, uh, is Sasha juice. It is my go-to. I could be lured out into a white van and kidnapped and murdered. Uh, if someone had a nice bottle of 97 Hartwell cab. Um, it's a good thing to announce publicly on a podcast. Yes. Um, I, (laughs) you know, I'm just putting out there if anyone has like a nice uh, bottle of like Napa cab super juicy ripe fruit jammy mm-hmm. like just putting if you wanted to lure me um that's what you would use uh make sure it's a little bit older and vintage um good game yeah. <laughs> just i'm just putting it out there because if i am gonna get you know i'm here for a good time not a long time but um yeah so. <laughs> wow <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure too much um no nope. just nope. right um yeah so i guess like that question's my favorite bottle of wine like my favorite couple bottle of wines were not the most expensive bottles i've ever had they were not the most rare bottles i've ever had they weren't even the coolest bottles i've ever had and they weren't even necessarily the best tasting bottles i've ever had they were bottles that i opened on special occasions with people who are special sorry i'm like literally i have not been drinking enough water Drinking drinks. Um, they were about <laughs> drinking drinks. Sip and hydrate, sister. hydrate, sis. Um, so they were not bottles that um were like the most expensive, the most rare, the best tasting, the coolest vintage, or like the coolest kind of you know, um, bottling of it. But they were bottles that I shared during special moments of my life with special people in my life, and I mean it just elevated the wine like a great example of this is uh, a bottle of god is like 16 ridge zinfandel um i think linton springs uh was it and we went out to dinner to this is like the last dinner i went to before covid happened and mm-hmm. shit hit the fucking fan and nobody could go anywhere this is the last social dinner i had um and we were celebrating you know just being together i was getting ready for my second som test my certified and this is like literally right before um i got i think it was like a week or two before everything shut down uh and we went to dinner with my roommates and some friends and roommate siblings and there's a couple of us we went to dinner at my job um which is this like insanely gorgeous restaurant um and we went to dinner we opened this bottle and we had it with um this like steak with like um it's called aligo it's like basically like creamy cheesy potatoes uh and like this like gorgeous cut uh, um god like a ribeye or some some shit like that and then some you know pea tendril and like just some fresh uh, fresh vegetables i think it was like yeah like march so and we had it and it was one of those aha moments i was like fuck that is amazing this wine is good by itself but it's great with the food and it's great with the company. I'm laughing. I'm happy. We're getting ready for my SOM test. This is amazing. And then a couple months later, obviously COVID sitting at home by myself. Uh, and I got, a, I got the exact same bottle and I drank it. And I was like, this doesn't taste half as fucking good. It was the same, bo- same exact bottle. And it did not taste as good. 
because I was sitting at home. I like just got off work or something. It was a long day and I wanted to open up a bottle of wine. And so I opened that and I just like, it was one of those things that really struck me is that wine and beverage are social. They are social in and of itself. It, you cannot make a beverage by yourself. It takes a village. It is social by nature and it's not going to taste as well. I mean, granted, I'll, I'll put back a bottle of wine by myself, like no problem, but it's not going to taste as good if I'm not surrounded by people who mean something to me. I'm not having a good time. I'm not laughing. I'm not sharing it with me, sharing it with them. You know, I want to sh- like whenever I have a good bottle, I want to share it because it's, it's not as fun if I'm having this super amazing wine. I'm not sharing that pleasure with other people. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think, I think that's a great point to, to wrap up today. I mean, wine, wine and beverage is, is social. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think one thing that I have learned in my like short, short time in beverage is that it's, it's all subjective. You can have a phenomenal experience with, with dirt cheap ingredients, you know, as long as, you know, you're, you're in the right place with the right people at the right time. And the, your product is made in the best way that it could possibly be made. And even if that's not even the case, you know, you can still have a positive memory because at the end of the day, we're just, you know, sacks of meat, you know, if on we, a have floating a rock. Day, we have a good sacks day, of meat yeah. on a floating rock, sacks of meat on a floating rock. And if you have a God. good day with a good meal and a good drink, that's going to stick with you forever. But people like you can formulate with, with your experience in back of house and in front of house, you can create those memories on your own for other people. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. That's the goal. Absolutely. And so Sasha, I just wanted to thank you so much for chatting with me today. This might be my longest episode ever. And I'm so glad that it is because this was awesome. I love getting to learn more about who you are. Um, and just to see like, you know, what your thoughts are on the, the passion and the, the road that you carve for yourself. So thank you so much. Do you have anything to plug how can people find you what do you want yes oh uh, well first i wanted to thank you for having me and you know offering this platform kind of like and um, with a few of our other classmates who've gone on to do amazing things i'm so proud of you starting this adventure and kind of you know you're just such a passionate and i think a really talented person not only in our industry but you know just in general um, and a great friend to have and a great professional to know. You've always helped me grow as a professional because sometimes I can be a little hot-headed. With passion comes a lot of uh, hot-headedness. And um, so, one, I just want to thank you for just being the gem that you are. And then, two, I guess the only thing I really have to plug would be, um, God, uh, I've been, you know, kind of working with, I have a few passion projects on the side, so I'm not going to say what they are just yet, but I will say if you'd like to find me on any social media, it's going to be Sasha Wright 122. So Sasha, S-A-S-H-A-W-R-I-G-H-T 122. Um, usually works for Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, yada, yada, yada. Um, but yeah, so those are my socials and feel free to reach out if anyone has any questions about beverage if they're interested in getting into beverage or just kind of honing their skills whether professionally or just at home I'm always happy to help I get phone calls from y'all all all the time 
like, oh my God, I'm about to have friends over. What should I do? I'm I'm gonna make this for dinner. And Nayla calls me and it'll be like, I'm having this for dinner. What kind of wine should I get? So I'm <laughs> always I love, I so love it too. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you for having me, Cole. I'm going to hop off unless there's anything else that you wanted to chit chat about. Yeah, uh, you know, that's pretty much it. I just wanted yeah. to do our life story real quick. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, uh, I I have been Cole, your host with the very <laughs> least. Um, please share this podcast with as many people as you know. Share with your mom. Share with your dad. Share with your dog. Share with your neighbor. Uh, you can follow the show at What Do I Do With Show uh, on Instagram. Uh, email the podcast for any workplace advice, questions, advice, stories, please at what do I do show at gmail.com. That's what do I do show at Gmail. Give us a rating on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to us. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll keep pumping out some more wonderful episodes with wonderful, awesome people like Sasha here. But other than that, that's all I got. Sasha, thank you again. Um, and I hope that all of you have a, a pleasant, wonderful evening. Slam a bourbon smash for us, will ya? Can I get a hell yeah? Can I get a hell yeah, brother? <laughs> hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Can that just be how I leave? <laughs> That's no, yeah, I'm literally planning on cutting it right there. <laughs> hell yeah, brother.